first started R&D tax 15 years ago, uh, you wouldn't believe it, but not a lot of companies knew about the program, despite the fact it's been around since 1986. So very much a niche area. Uh, I feel like history is repeating itself with the ESIC, a company that's only been in existence for five years, and the word is only really getting out there in the street now. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building scalable startups in sunny West Australia. My name's Charlie Gunningham, and I'm again on my own this episode, just me, as the wonderful Danelle Cross is still away on a very well-deserved family trip. Hope she's having a great time. Before we start, I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast and tell everyone about us and give us a review or wherever you get your podcasts and really helps other people find us. So here we go with episode 53. This time we have two guests who are not startup founders, but they do a tremendous amount of work with and for local startups, Gavin Stacey and Steve Elias from accounting and advisory firm RSM. Hi, Gavin and Steve, and welcome to Startup West. Fantastic to have you here. Steve, first. Charlie, thank you for having me today. So that's Steve and Gavin. Thanks for having us today, Charlie. Great to have you. Now, can you tell us uh, what you guys do with startups and offer at RSM? RSM, great sponsor here at Startup News and Startup West. How do you work with local startups? Steve. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Uh, look, my, my specialty is in the R&D incentive space. All right. And the preeminent program for us is the R&D tax incentive. Fantastic, because that's where startups can get money back. Absolutely. Uh, the ATO. Best, best place to be. <laughs> uh, no free money though, Charlie, so sure. a lot of eligibility to, to meet as well. But everyone must love you because they come to you and you sort them out and hopefully you get them some money back Very much so. Time. We're a value-add service, so I think uh, a lot of companies and clients and contacts like and love us uh, along the way. And how many companies do you work with? I think you're like the second largest uh, provider of this service in West Australia? In WA, yes. So I would say probably work with 150 to 200 wow. registrants per year at this stage. That's a lot of form filling. It is indeed. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> but you do it for them, presumably. We do that so, for them along yeah. with uh, looking after the eligibility criteria for them so as well. So they have to come to you and then you have to look and make sure that all their, what they're spending on R&D is eligible. Correct. And then they can get a portion of that back. So we'll explore that in a minute. Um, Gavin, how do you work with... Uh, Startups. So I work in our business advisory team. So I do provide a lot of kind of business uh, strategy and, and consulting to startups okay. looking to establish and, and commercialize and grow um, and working hand in hand with Steve and providing the the accounting aspects right. um, in terms of these so R&D So the tax grants. returns but also advisory and – yeah. So a lot of the boring stuff, the financials, tax <laughs> returns that are um, required, are required yeah. um, to be done. Um, it's a it's a bit easier sell for Steve to come in with this big sack of cash from the R and D. You do, but you presumably you work hand in hand, so that there'd be people that you'd see and go, "Oh, you got to do your R and D with Steve," and then you'd see R and D with Steve. You would just talk to Gavin. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Look, I think the synergies are important, Charlie. That mm. way, we get the financial information, the accounts from from people like Gavin, and uh, we can go ahead and just internally do the work that we need to for our clients and yeah. and add that value for them. So, Steve, talking about R and D, I remember coming across it in the early two thousands. I think John Howden made some changes, and suddenly it became money <clears throat> you could get back from the government, which was amazing for startups. And I've been told by a couple of accountants I wasn't eligible. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't listen to them. My third person I spoke to, um, fellow MBA grad, UWA, like like yourself, Steve, um, at some function, they went, no, I think you'd be eligible. And not only did they get me uh, a, you know, I think it's like $55,000 cash back that year, he managed to get it for the previous year because I hadn't claimed the previous year when it first come in. So I went, $110,000? My goodness, that was a difference between you know, sinking or swimming and gave us a bit more lifeline. It is an amazing scheme. And could you tell us a little bit about 
think it's actually been back in the eighties, but in the two thousands it had some big changes and yeah, absolutely, Charlie. Works. So look, uh, not many people know, but the R&D program actually got introduced in 1986. Mm. So it has been around for about 35 odd years. Look, has changed in different forms and guises over time um, and was what once upon a time a deduction system from the tax system. Yep. Uh, today it's very much an, an offset system and a cashback rebate system uh, for larger companies. Because a deduction system would only work if you're making profits and you're therefore deducting from your profit tax. Yeah, then they brought in the refundable mode, as you suggested. Refundable the means even if you're in losses, now you're getting cash. Cashback. Almost like cashing in your losses. Cashback. Yeah. So, so very cash much back. a you know, self-assessment tax system. So there is yeah. a tax saving involved, uh, but rightfully so for those companies that are operating in tax losses and have eligible mm. R&D, they can cash out those losses and get a check back instead. So a quick worked example, if mm. you had a startup and you went in and you added it up, nice round number, $100,000 of eligible R&D spending, which yes. could be like um, employees working on a new innovation, which is something that you're doing, a portion of that salary, yes, um, outsourced tech but WA or Australia-based, Australia not, not if they're based in India. No. Australia-based. Correct. What other sort of typical eligible expenses? Yeah, you're right. So uh, the main uh, the main driver is R&D time. So R&D uh, time. people's time uh, within the company that are recording their time. So and portion of their R&D, salaries. Portion of their salaries. Yeah. Uh, contractor time, so external contractor contractors. Uh, could be particular materials, costs, other costs along the way. Um, some corporate overheads that you might be able to portion in support of your R&D A little bit of rent. As well. A little bit of rent, yeah. Software you've bought in order to... Do this project? Possibly. Or some computers? Of it, possibly, or? yeah. Some of it could be direct expenditure. It really has a direct nexus to the R&D uh, direction right. or an apportioned amount of that. And so let's say that's $100,000 um, and you're making losses. Yes. Is it right you get 43.5% back so you'd get a check for $43,500 in that case? Perfect, Charlie. I think you're a great mathematician. Oh. So that's uh, <laughs> $43,500 for a $100,000 claim. Right, and then presumably your fee would come off that. And, absolutely. And so really your fee's paid for in the uh, tax that they get back? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're a value-add service, so I mm. guess uh, clients sort of probably you know, receive that service from any reputable mm. uh, R&D advisor uh, for you know, expertise they otherwise wouldn't have received to get a check back that they otherwise wouldn't have received to meet the eligibility criteria. And how many companies would RSM be working with a year on this? Look, in WA, uh, probably 150 to 200 at this stage. Wow. Okay. And that would make you one of the biggest providers of this service? Uh, in WA that I can speak for, number two at the moment. Fantastic. So what are some of the things that people get wrong with the R&D incentive or that you have to fix the issues? Is it because they if that's not eligible or or are you often finding something, look, that is eligible and you should be claiming for it? Yeah, it's not so much we're able to fix the issues. It's more about guidance and advising right. and educating clients on what they have to do uh, along yeah. the way and, and Gavin's in that space as well. So records, record keeping. Ah, right. So I think one of the, the big thing as well is it a big part of the eligibility criteria is it has to be a, a company. So right. a, a lot of um, early stage startups will – kind of just hit the ground running as a sole trader mm. and, and incur some costs, but we can't really go back and, and claim those. Yeah. Um, we really need to get the structures set up first before you start um, investing a lot of cash into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and you've been doing this for quite a few years now. Just a little bit now, Charlie. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess um, – Prior to my prior career, yep. uh, 2007, got involved with the R&D wow. tax space. Okay. So yeah. you're coming up to 15 years now. 
My goodness. So that must be really enjoyable work when you, you're basically helping fund startups. It's probably one of the biggest funds for early stage when you're making those losses in the early years. Look, it's very rewarding to, to be at the forefront of that because, look, my, me, myself, uh, I don't have a, you know, innovative entrepreneurial mindset. I learned <laughs> that very early on in my career, right. uh, but very much enjoy working with that sort of uh, industry. And how much money... Uh, does it give away? Because I, I worked to the accelerated commercialization, which I thought was a pretty big program. Four hundred eighty-five million dollar program gave about about fifty million dollars a year in various grants to about eighty companies around the country. But it's dwarfed by the R and D money, isn't it? I mean, it's billions of dollars. It's definitely billions of dollars. Uh, you're probably looking uh, close to above ten billion dollars as a program wow. uh, through Treasury, right? Um, but they have been clamping down on it because presumably, I think some of the larger companies are taking advantage a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, everyone's well-versed of what's happened in industry around the R&D space over the last three to four years. Uh, Look, the regulators, rightfully so, that that is their job, is Mm. to to manage the program, make sure it's uh, somewhat uh, neutral uh, and and the right companies are claiming the right amount at the right time to support innovation in those sectors. And presumably for a start, it doesn't cost anything to come and say hello to you. No, And say, can you handle my R&D claim? Look, might I have a claim? Because I think the minimum is 20,000 spending, is minimum that right? Minimum 20,000, correct. 20,000 in eligible R&D to even put it in application. Um, and then it's might as well just go and come and have a coffee with Steve, the RSM Towers there. And, yeah, um, absolutely. Have a chat. absolutely. Absolutely. And, you won't um, miss it. Big tower with RSM on the top. Yeah, and more than happy to, <laughs> to drag uh, Gav along as Gav well. Gav along as well. Yeah, cool. Excellent. So, Gavin, over to you. What are the, I mean, you, Obviously, the tax returns for your 30 clients, but presumably – what are you helping them fund? Are you helping put strategy in place, fill some gaps? What are you sort of doing with the with the startups you're working with? Yeah, sometimes being the the accountant in the room, you have to mm. play devil's advocate a little right. bit. And um, I, I meet a lot of early stage startups who are concentrating maybe too much on the technical aspect, and it's mm. more about hang on, let's take a step back and look at the commercial strategy behind this. Yeah. I see that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, and it's really just getting some business plans and processes in place, and um, yeah, the overall strategy, and then the accounting behind it, and collating real data that they can use to make business decisions and mm. make it nice and tidy for Steve to come along at the end of the year and tick the box what's R and D and what's nice. not, and um, yep. it makes the whole process a lot more streamlined. Um, so literally single operators, brand new startups through to quite sort of scalable tech businesses you're working with. Absolutely, yeah. So um, and, and the those early stage kind of startups can be hard to mm. deal with at, at times because they probably need the most help mm. um, and it's not exactly commercial to invest the most time from our end. So it's about just kind of pointing people in the right direction early and yeah. then just saying, hey, you don't need to talk to me yet. You need to go talk to yes. – um, you need to talk to a commercial lawyer. You need to go work on – yeah. to a patent lawyer or something But presumably like you do a little bit such that if you can help them grow, then they can be big enough to support your services and vice versa. Exactly. And if you put a little bit of that help in the beginning, then All, always they'll come happy. back and yeah. – Always happy to invest the time and, and grow with So them, do so. you get out and about the startup scene? Do you go to events and – Try to get to as, as many yeah. as we can. So – um, yeah, and you kind of see familiar faces around the place and it's, yes. it's all pretty good pretty good fun it's actually. It's sort of built and grown up. We're recording this at Space Cube, which I think has just had its ninth birthday. Yes. Um, you know, an amazing community uh, with five or six, I think, co-working spaces. Now they either own or run or manage in, in and around Perth. And, I, you know, when I started in 99, old dot-com days, remember them? There was no co-working space. 
no R&D tax. Well, nice. it's different. Well, yeah. There was no accelerators, no angel groups. So it's a really flourishing, fun system at the moment. Um, and it's great to have accounting firms get involved in it. Um, what do you think of the whole scene, Steve? You, you sort of, you've been watching it now since 2007, my goodness. You've seen it grow. I've seen period. it grow. Um, look, the the scene is really interesting and intriguing. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm born and bred WA, but mm. we'll get to that a little bit later, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, it's it's been interesting to see where it's come leaps and bounds over time in terms of the funding mechanisms available, the different yeah. programs that become available, uh, whether it's through industry or through government as well. Mm. Uh, a lot of spin-outs out of universities. I think a lot yeah. of universities are making life a little bit easier. Dare I mm. say, commercially for for um, industry groups to, to spin out of universities. Yeah. There's always an IP discussion there. With yeah, it always yeah, is. A bit complicated. Always, yeah. yeah. Uh, but look, I, I find it's been really intriguing and certain industries are probably uh, taking a stranglehold more than others over time, which is what you're you allowed to, to talk say. about any companies you admire, maybe ones you've worked with? You thought, oh, we helped them along or we've worked with them that you sort of look on and go, oh, they're going really well. Or maybe the ones you haven't worked with, just the ones you admire from a part. Yeah, from look, I think the on. one that I probably not so much what we've worked with, but yeah. the one that I really admire is probably local WA one uh, success story, hmm. uh, Fusion Books, which obviously became Canva. Canva. Yeah, uh, so that's that's <laughs> twenty just billion a, valuation. Just a complete testament to the WA startup scene and, and yeah. where you can what you can achieve. Yeah, amazing. I mean, that's going to spur anyone else on. Absolutely. I don't know what will. Right? Yeah. Hi, just jumping in here to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Without these, we would not be able to bring you this podcast or do what we do at Startup News either. So we want to thank Startup News who produced the Startup West podcast. Go there and subscribe, please. Spacecube Coworking Spaces, where we also record this pod down here at Riff in the city. The New Industries Fund, who give funding, advice and support all year round. Curtin University, who have been a long-time supporter of innovation entrepreneurs in WA. The City of Perth, where we also record this pod, also a great supporter of the tech scene. RSM, who came on board last year and who helped many startups with R&D tax returns and other advice. Dinner Twist, a WA startup itself who has actually been on the podcast and just wanted to help out. So please, if you bump into any of these organizations and the people that run them, say thanks and go use their services. That's the best way to say thanks. Okay, now back to the show. All right, we're back. Now, can we take you both back through your careers? Um, start with you, Gavin. Are you born and raised WA, Perth? Born in Perth and moved up to Geraldton, Geraldton. when I was a right. young fella. And so they so grew, grew up there. Grew up in Geraldton and, yeah, um, enjoyed living by the beach and playing sport and doing all those things. And, and at school, favourite subjects? I'm guessing maths. Maths be because, right? <laughs> because I was good at it and, and sports because I wanted to be good at it. Excellent. Um, so footy or? Footy, basketball, cricket. Uh, oh, fantastic. Try it all thing. and, yeah, not very great at any of them. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's not the case. Uh, and yourself, Steve? Both born and raised? Yeah, born and bred a Sangrape Charlie. Right. Uh, so <laughs> having said that, I did move and lived in Geraldton for a couple of years oh, back in the late okay. 80s. That's news to me. I wasn't uh, born then, Steve. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my mum was actually born in Geraldton, so okay. we ended up going there for a couple of the years. Geraldton, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and yeah, look, schooling, I've, what's favourite subjects and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, um, uh, favourite subject, chemistry, oh, would you believe? okay. Yeah, so I've got a degree in chemistry and honours and wow. Yeah, worked in the in the chemical field for a few Did years you? before I went into the R and D tax area. Very different. Well, I suppose not so different in a way. Yeah, yeah, 
Okay. Um, and what were you thinking you were going to do at school? Was chemi- oh, chemical engineering? Was that what no, you Just thought? straight chemistry, yeah, more more synthetic organic chemistry. So oh. very much love the, the the synthesis side of things and tinkering with conical flasks and Bunsen burners and oh, wow. uh, perhaps maybe a little bit of a fire bug in the old days um, perhaps, right. but uh, those sort of things. So that's really what you enjoyed. were thinking career-wise? Co- career-wise, yeah. Yep. yeah. And then so university and then you did go into that field? Did go into that field for about uh, five, six years. So I worked for a company called Seba uh, Specialty Chemicals and now part of the BASF group right. of Here companies. Here in Perth? Or? Here in Perth in right. Kanana. Okay. Uh, they got a plant down there. And I was uh, developing and synthesising flocculants, coagulants, rheology modifiers, crystal growth modifiers for, oh for industry. Don't know what any of that yeah. is, but it sounds very intelligent. So, and then an MBA at UWA? MBA UWA, and then from there the AICD company director's course as well. Aha, which I've also done. And then was that around the time the switch to RSM? MBA around uh, the switch to uh, Big Four initially right? uh, back in 2007, 2008, and the company director's course a few years later when I moved to RSM. So was the MBA an idea to move into management or was it to move out of what you're doing with chemistry into something else? Yeah, I think it was that sort of intersection between moving from pure technical to moving right. into the, the accounting and business area. Right. Uh, I didn't have that as an undergraduate, so I didn't have that sort of experience. Right. And, and very much, you know, I must admit I'm not a tax person or an accounting person mm-hmm. to that extent, but uh, the R&D specific, specificity I, I definitely am. You've got all that R&D sort of you were doing that pure chemistry way back. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Okay, perfect, fantastic. And Gavin? So, yeah, I went accounting to at university accounting or, and yeah. tax, so the commerce degree. Is I that went, what you thought you'd be doing? I'm, I'm going to be doing accounting. Is that what you're thinking? Apart from playing footy for the Eagles, but <laughs> what were you um, hoping yeah, to do? Yeah, it kind of, yeah, interests me. I, I was good at good at maths, good at science, just didn't really, wasn't as passionate as the bloke next to me about <laughs> it, that's for right. sure. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, it just, just made sense. So I just right. went down the commerce degree. Yeah, pass and then accounting and tax, um, and didn't really know where it would land me. Um, mm. And then went more traditional again with a chartered accountant um, right. route, and then more recently the chartered accountant qualifications. That that's yep. right. So the chartered grad, the the post grad, and then yep. uh, chartered tax advisor through the uh, tax institute as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when did you join RSM? Straight from university, right. so I think okay. I had about a, a week off after uni to play and then straight into straight it. Straight in. And that would have been? <laughs> Ten years ago. All so. right. So you've both quite long-time stages at, at RSM. Yes. 10, 11 years, 13, 14 years. Uh, RSM, 2012 for me, so coming up to nine years for me. Oh, 2007, what was that then? That was when you? That was when I was a big four. A big four. So a big four accounting firm and then RSM. Correct. Right, gotcha. Okay, great. And and that brings us up to um, up to today, I suppose. Uh a few questions I've got. Uh, COVID last year, the pandemic, elephant in the room. How did that affect your companies, yourself, and and now a year on? What has it look? It was interesting time, mm. especially around um, providing tax and accounting advice when the right. law is changing every every day. <laughs> Do we was, qualify for JobKeeper? Presumably was the yes, number one. Yes, and, and everybody's yeah. asking these questions before the um, before its legislation. Before the even out. We're advising on yeah. just media releases at that stage. It was, yeah, uh, yeah very – and people were just worried with the unknown. So um, obviously uh, working with with 
clients from an early stage, you build up a relationship mm. with them so you become a bit of a trusted advisor there. Yeah. I'm silly enough to give them people my mobile number and whatnot. <laughs> and when, when there's a lot of uncertainty, it's people just kind of – I mean, there was a lot of concern that because you needed to have a 30% reduction in mm. revenue – for a startup with no revenue, how can yeah. you? So that that oh, was help. That was a, a key issue with with my client base in particular yeah. around. Um, yeah, you can't say you've had a reduction in revenue if you've never had any revenue. But yep. just the overall people weren't willing to. People rel- in that space relies rely on raising capital, and yes. th- there weren't a lot of those conversations being pro- progressing at that mm. stage. Um, a lot of a handful of clients, I'd say, were on that point of um, raising significant capital yeah. just before COVID hit, and it all all that went. Yeah. Um, so, but you could qualify for JobKeeper, couldn't you? If you were director of a company, anyway, even if you had no revenue, there were sort of ways of yep. still having something coming in. Yeah. So for for uh, an individual involved in the business, be it the mm-hmm. trustee of a trading trust not necessarily in the startup space or sole traders or yep. director of a company. There were rev, uh, ways to access cash, but yes. when you're investing a loss in a large kind of Indeed. development team, um, yeah, some had to strip things back quite I remember a bit. talking to startups, you know, I was still working with the government then and we obviously had to ring around and see, this is sort of March 2020, see who um, was at the worst situation because we just handed out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to each of these companies. We didn't want them going down through no fault of their own. Uh, we backed them, a very competitive grant. We want to see them progress their project if they could and, and get out there and commercialise because we were at the pre-revenue stage, right? Yep. And, um, yeah, when we rang around, you know, a third were like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's like really bad. Yeah. A third were like, ooh, I think we can muddle through. And a third were actually actually flying. Yeah. So it's actually helping us if anything. They felt a bit guilty about it, but like if anything is helping us. About a month later, nearly everyone was okay. It was incredible. It was all good about a month. I was locked down for six weeks and then within about mm. a month things just seemed to be, oh, it's not so bad. Cases have come down. By June it was opening up again, you know, and then it started roaring. I don't know about you, but it's from about August, September. The economy started roaring again. It did and, look, we, we found that too. I think uh, to continue what? Train of thought that that Gav had, uh, you know, our RSM, the, the leadership at RSM, you know, during the lockdown, we decided mm. that we are very much a people business and we care about our people, both yep. internal and external. Uh, so one thing that we definitely did as a firm, we stayed in touch with our clients during that lockdown period, yep. and not by a phone call, by by video call, Charlie. So mm. we, we tried to make it real, personable. Uh, and uh, wanted to be there at the forefront with them along the way. Yeah, 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 great. And then it was a, what within a few months everything was like, well, it's not so bad. It's sort of it's getting coming better. It snapped back quickly. What was the? I think. Yeah. What was your view of, of it all? For those, there were a lot of um, ways to access JobKeeper. That was mm. that was probably the big um, lifesaver for a lot and of cash clients. flow boost as well, which cash was just automatic. Was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I think the alternative test for high growth businesses, it's hard to say that you've had a reduction in turnover when your turnover is yeah. greater than it was 12 months ago, but right. it's not as great as it could have been. Um, so clients that could access those alternative tests, um, luckily fell in. Yeah. And then I had a number of clients surprised when the job keeper checks keep com- coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, well, yeah, we shut down for a month and 
then um, yeah, all these funds kept flowing in. So it yeah. was almost yeah record record numbers coming yeah, yeah, through. Yeah. So um, yeah, it did turn around pretty quick, and and all this um, uh, rent um, allowances coming through and yes. landlord initiatives yes. were, were great. Moratoriums well. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, the the insolvency six month moratorium. Yes. Honestly, I expected a lot more to um, a lot more clients to be coming under duress in January this mm. year when when that um, it was still around but got greatly reduced. Um, so broadly, if as it stands in normal course of business, if you don't pay someone, they can issue a twenty one day statutory demand and say pay me or mm. we're going to court. We'll yes. look to wind you up. That got extended to six months right. during this COVID period. So clients, people, had, businesses had a long runway to get through. Um, yeah, great. So well, yeah. we seem to have steered the course pretty well in Australia, and certainly in West Australia. Oh, honestly, absolutely, like, best, I mean, best place to be, Charlie. At the moment, we always knew that, but it yeah. went and proved it, didn't it? It did, it absolutely. Did. <laughs> and what a great place to do a startup. Can we talk about that? I mean, you know, it's, what a great place it is. It's a great community now. There's all these things that are going on in in the scene ecosystem, um, do you think we lack for anything here in, in WA? Do we lack for capital? Do we? What are your startups telling you? They will always say there's yeah. a lack of capital around mm. um, and I think it's just that people are maybe not um, getting their ducks in a row, proving concept, market validations right. and getting – appropriate forecasts that they're not as investable as they think they are when mm-hmm. they're asking the capital questions but there's definitely plenty of capital around from conversations there is lots of money in perth i suppose it's educating the investors to about this asset class about mm. helping um scalable startups and giving them a go mm. you know like the esic the early stage innovation do you get involved in that at all and and you know yeah, look, do, do, do investors even know about ESEC yeah, that they look, can get a twenty percent tax? Yeah, perfect, Charlie. So look, our our R and D team. We don't just do R and D tax incentives. We right. do uh, uh, ESEC as well, right? Uh, and also EMDG and grants as well. So, so the export whole market developing grant, correct? ASIC, which is early stage innovation, innovation company. company. Yep. Yep. So we get involved on both sides of that: the company side, so qualification right. of the company as an as an ESIC. Uh-huh. And the investor side as well, qualification. So you of can the give investor. a letter to the startup to sort of say, look, they are an ESIC. Yes. Or ESIC. Yes. 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 Okay, cool. And then, then I come along on the other side and work for the investor and say, yes, I'm an eligible investor into uh-huh. um, access the ESIC as well. So you get a essentially a tax deduction up front. And then yes. the. You invest 50 grand in a startup and it's all eligible. Wouldn't you get 10 grand off your tax that year? It's a twenty percent non-refundable refund, effectively non-refundable. So ten grand would come off if you correct, get, and you get a ten-year capital gains exemption. That's correct. That's the big one. That's the big one with no ceiling. So yeah. if it comes the next Canva, yes, worth twenty billion. <laughs> I think it's a ten years. So as long as you, if you have a liquidity event within ten years, and you're less than a thirty percent shareholder, and plenty of rules around it, Charlie. But basically, yes. correct. You yeah. know, it's yeah. supposed to. Malcolm Turnbull, I think, brought this in. It was. 2016, 2016, it's been around now, five years. Yeah. My perception is most people have never heard of it out there. Some of the startups do. The angels do. Yes. I do. Yes. But a lot of the investors who are happy to invest in property and mining and everything else don't know that they could actually get this little benefit. Not sure about you, Steve, but I've probably only been receiving questions on it in the last 
12 months, probably through COVID, people are looking uh-huh. for to make themselves more investable. Um, didn't field too many questions before that, although obviously looking for it and kind of directing clients to it where yeah. we can. Look, I find it reminiscent of the R&D tax incentive history. Yes. Uh, look, when I first started R&D tax 15 years ago, uh, you wouldn't believe it, but not a lot of companies knew about the program mm. despite the fact it's been around since 1986. yeah. So very much a niche area. Uh, I feel like history is repeating itself with the ESIC uh, yeah. company that's only been in existence for five years yeah. and the word is only really getting out there in the street now in modern times and with positive proponents like yourself, Charlie, mm. uh, the word and is getting guys, out there. And you guys, because, you know, if the accountants and advisors say to their wealthy clients, you need to find yourself an ESIC <laughs> and they go, what the hell is an ESIC? Well, yeah. let me tell you. Yeah. Let me slide it an ESIC. I don't know. Yeah, good. All right, excellent. We're going to finish it there with a rapid quick fire round. Start with you, Steve. How would you describe the local startup scene in WA? Quick and simple, Charlie, robust and growing. All right, cool. Gavin, if you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being or maybe wish away? Oh, you can always use more collaboration. More collaboration, yeah. So meaning between? So between advisors, between startups, there's a lot of knowledge that should be shared around the place. Cool. Steve, what's the next big thing you're going to be doing at RSM? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Charlie, I think grants. Uh, okay. We do R&D tax, we do the ESIC, we do the MDG uh, and industry and government grants moving forward. So accelerating commercialisation grants yeah, and uh, like the that. Modern Manufacturing Initiative that's currently out as well. Modern Manufacturing Initiative, okay, yeah. yeah that's like quite that. a big one actually. You can get a million to 20? Correct, that's right. No, a yeah. million to 10 I think? Or uh, a million, million to 20, million. but that's match funding. Match funding, fantastic. Gavin, what's the single most important factor that you see that makes a successful startup? In amongst your startups, that is what would be the most important thing? A rather cheesy question there, Charlie. <laughs> sure. Um, I think a bit of humility and knowing okay. when when to bring in the help. Put the ego aside. Uh, I see some people try to do it all themselves and have their opinion being more important than everyone else's around the place, but success comes when people are willing to ask for help, I think. Very good. And, Steve, how can anyone listening help you? Look, good question. I think rather than helping me or Gav individually, uh, it's probably more about our or your listenership, mm. knowing more about understanding who RSM is. I right. think that's probably the important part of it. Mm. Uh, so, look, we're obviously a mid-tier accounting firm and we offer the usual multidisciplinary services mm. uh, and, you know, strong advocate and support of the startup and SME you industries. Are, so, definitely. you know, we've got the right mix of resources um, and to help our clients and, you know, we're there and available to help them. To come and talk most. to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You can you always can talk to more people, right, and more startups and you might be eligible, what Gavin does, what you do. Look, I think an important factor for a lot of startups is networking. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gavin mentioned collaboration and that fits in the networking side of things as well. Just get to know people in different facets of your business that you require them and during your value chain. And I've got a feeling that, you know, I've been here 25 years almost, they're corporates sort of – I've worked in corporate, you know, CEO, business news, corporate, put the suit on, go up and down the terrace. Corporates sort of talk to themselves and they're a bit cliquey. And then, but the startups do as well. Startups sort of sit talk to themselves. Yeah. And you need to connect the two, right? Because a lot of startups could help a lot of corporates. A lot of corporates could help a lot of startups. That's sort of what you do. Yes. You're, you're this sort of connector. You're one of the – you guys are like some of the good guys that connect, which is great. Okay. Is there a passing message you want to leave our listeners with? Maybe that was it. Come talk to us. 
come talk to us. Come, come talk to us. Come buy me a coffee. And I'll <laughs> so you'll more, buy the coffee, right? Uh, we'll see how much. <laughs> We've got a, a lot of um, experience in this space between yeah. Steve and myself, so to, we just want to kind of have a conversation and point people in the right direction. Fantastic. But I think um, make sure you've got a plan in place before you hit the ground running. It's easy to kind of just have this idea and just go gung-ho. Mm. But if you kind of just keep your feet on the ground for a little bit at the start and and have a have a Great. plan, um, yeah, you'll, you'll get there. Excellent. And Charlie, I think mm. before you turn the microphone off, um, we'd like to probably just take the opportunity just to personally thank you as well because yeah. you've been a huge, strong advocate in the WA startup community for many decades now as well. So I think everyone that knows you in, in WA industry likes and loves your approach. Oh, thank you. And uh, your commitment. So we can't thank you enough as well. Oh, thanks, Steve. And thank very nice of you to say so. Thanks, Gavin. And we'd like to wish you both and your team all the best for the future. I've learned a lot about what RSM did. I didn't know what you guys did, and that's fantastic. I want to thank all our sponsors. Startup West Podcast is brought to you by Startup News and made possible by support from Space Cube, News News Fund, Curtin University, City of Perth, Dinner Twist, and, of course, RSM. We recorded this podcast at the Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, West Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West. We even have a new logo. Have a look, go and have a look at that. I really like our new logo for 2021. On your favourite platform, go and search for Startup West so our latest episodes can wing their way to you every fortnight. And leave us a review if you like what you hear. Um, Great. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Thanks, Charlie. Charlie. Cheers.